Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. I've worn lots of shoes, and probably so have you, right? I've had the shoes of being a son, and the shoes of being a father, the shoes of being a worker, the, the shoes of being a boss. I've worn shoes that I thought would gain lots of attention and approval to find out that nobody cared and nobody listened and felt those moments of being unseen, unrecognized, and all alone. I've worn shoes that look really good on the outside, but on the inside, they were empty and nobody saw. I've worn lots of shoes, and my guess is that so have you over the years. Forrest Gump's mom's probably right, right? If you look and see, you can learn a lot about a person's shoes, right? You can see where they've been, you can see where they're going, and you can see how they got there. But in order to have that kind of insight, to to be that reflective, we've got to either learn for the very first time or relearn a skill that I think is forgotten in our culture and certainly has been forgotten here of late. It's the skill that we'll see today is what makes us human. It's a skill that embraces our, our humanity. It's the skill that will help you feel connected in life and with people. It's the skill that will bring greater depth and meaning to your very life. It's one of the greatest relational gifts that we can give one another. And unfortunately, we'll see again, it's probably the gift that we withhold more than any. It's such a powerful gift because it, it, it connects with our deepest core need. And it's simply this, the need to be known and the need to be understood. Do you ever feel, it's the desire to feel like somebody really gets us. And after they really get us, they actually like us. You know the gift of that kind of ability? The shoes we're gonna talk about today are the rarest of all shoes in 2022, I think. And today we're gonna talk about the shoes of empathy and what that means to our life. Now before we jump into our our series and a little bit more of our study today, I wanna take a few moments and highlight some of our shoes that are here. And uh, the one shoe I wanted to take a moment, you may not recognize this, this is actually a Lego shoe. And uh, I'll hold it here so you can see it. This is honor. We had Lex City Lego night, and over 300 folks were in our building uh, doing Legos. And so this is some of the creation that they did. And I just want to give a shout-out to Julie and our Kids City team and our volunteers. Listen, 300 folks, a bunch of these. Yeah, you can clap. (laughs) A bunch of the folks that were here were from our community. And I'm just reminding you what we're going to do this Saturday on on, uh, City Reach and all those things. They matter because they connect. You may be here this morning because you came to Lego night. We just want to say thanks for coming. We're so glad you're here. So this is some of the amazing work uh, they did there. Incredible as they go. So this morning we want to talk a little bit about this idea of empathy as we go. Empathy, the ability, right, to walk in someone else's shoes, to feel what they feel. True empathy, the ability to not just look on what's on the outside, but to have the discernment and the wisdom and the compassion to see what's truly on the inside. To look with an, this is the hard part for us, to look with an attentive spirit, to be present in the moment, to see deeper than just what we're experiencing reaction-wise. And the goal of this, right, this is the key, the goal is not just that we can change somebody's mind or their perspective or set them straight with your truth and your perspective. It's simply to put on the shoes of empathy And in the moment, to empathize with who they are and how God created them. 
Now, most of us, if I, as I jump into this, have had that moment, right? You've experienced the gift of empathy. I was thinking about this last week. I had a, some difficult things that were going on and challenged, and I got to call one of my elders and just say, yeah, here, I'm a, I'm a hot mess. Uh, help me process this. You know what he gave? He gave me the gift of time and care. I just want to hear, listen to what you think. I'm validating your thoughts. I just validate your feelings. You may be crazy, but I validate your things there. And he helped center me in these moments, right? It was a gift. Most of us probably can think of one or two moments in our life where we've had that gift. Where somebody took the time to hear you, to know you, understand you, and if you're lucky at the end, they even liked you. You know, that's the power of empathy that we've seen and we've experienced over time. It feels good, right, to have that moment. But here's the question for us today. Why do we not extend that to other people? Why is it not a characteristic of the church as followers of Christ that we are men and women of, of empathy? We know how good it feels, and yet we withhold it so many times. At a time in our world, in our country, in our city, where more people are hurting and struggling than ever before, somehow we can't seem to get our eyes off ourselves and our own shoes to look at others and see what God would have for them. We've lost a sense of our humanity and what makes us who God has amazingly created. So today I want to do this in our time. I want to try to connect empathy with the heart and character of God. For some of you, that's an easy connection. For others, you, it's just a little bit harder, right? We, we think in terms of God, like God is a forgiving God. God is a loving God, but he's also a just God. He, he's a holy God. We have all these attributes that we think of God, but at times we don't think of God being empathetic to who we are. Because empathy is the ability to step into someone else's shoes to understand what they're feeling and what life is like. And if you think about it, the person who is, should be the least empathetic to us is God. Because the ability for God to step into our reality, he doesn't even live in our reality. He's in and above and all these, his reality is so much different than ours, how could he possibly be empathetic? It's easy to say so many times, well, God, that's great, but you don't understand me, right? You don't, you don't truly get it because you've never been what I've been through. I mean, let's be honest. The only way God could truly have empathy is if he would set aside his divinity, come be born as a man, let's say maybe 33 years. It's not a bad idea. See where we're going today. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by the taking of a form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That God, that the creator of the universe, in this power verse, right, emptied himself and took on her human form. Not simply in appearance, but he was the best of humanity and who we are to be with others. We're gonna see today that Jesus, every day made the choice to wear the shoes or maybe the sandals of empathy. So that's where we're heading today. If you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 11. If you're new this morning, you got your phones, you can fire them up. Go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there as we go. And as you're turning, I just want to give a shout out. Today's a very special day for Pastor Zach and I. We've got friends in. Uh, next week, our Lex City Riders, our motorcycle group, is joined by our crew from Omaha, who's right up here. Just want to say, glad to have you guys with you, representing you today as we go. And uh, we're going to head down to the Smoky Mountains all next week, and we'll be back for next Sunday. But here's the joy. 
So these are wonderful friends of ours that uh, were fellow pastors and youth workers with Zach 22, 23 years ago, and that we have the joy of still doing life together. I hope for you at Lex City, I hope you find people here that 20 years from now, you can connect and go do crazy, wild, and fun things together because you've got to do life together. It's the beauty of the church, right? And it's the beauty that miles and time and years can separate and we still get together and we get to experience amazing things. So I, we're experiencing it. Thank you all for being here today. And uh, we're excited for that. We got 20 some of us heading down next week with our Lex City. So if you ride motorcycles, connect with me. We'll talk later ways to go as we go. So John chapter 11. Let me give you a little context here as we jump in. It's the story of the death of Lazarus. And if you're not familiar with the story, let me just kind of catch you a little bit up on context. Jesus' friend, Lazarus, was dying. And Lazarus' sister, Mary, sends for Jesus. Says, Jesus, come, your great friend is near death. And Jesus hears this news. And rather than running with an urgency to the bed of Lazarus, he lingers. Lingers not only just one day, but he lingers two days. And during this time, Lazarus dies. So in chapter 11, we pick up the story. Jesus finally arrives on the scene and everybody is devastated, disappointed, weeping in this moment. Because Jesus didn't show up on time. You ever felt that way? My God, I've been praying for this. God, you didn't show up. Or maybe you showed up, but you didn't show up at time. In my moment of greatest need, right, when my hurt was the greatest, when I needed a moment with you, it felt like you were in no hurry and you missed it. God, there's no empathy with you, of course, because you don't understand. If you, if you really understood how I was feeling, you would have been there. You would have relieved this pain. You would have made this situation. You would have made what was wrong right if you truly understand. You would have ran to Lazarus' bed and healed him. You should have solved this problem right now. And if we're not careful, right, we naturally feel a little bit like Mary and Martha in the story. God, you don't care. You don't care because you really don't understand. You haven't felt what we do. God, you might have created my shoes, right? But you're certainly not walking in them because I can tell by your disinterest that we have. Chapter 11 we go, and then the Bible creates and includes the shortest verse that I think is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, right? John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. You wanna learn a Bible verse? There it is, Jesus wept. So why did Jesus, you ever think about this, why did Jesus weep? If he already knew that Lazarus would die, if he delayed, why, why is he weeping at this moment? Jesus knew that he had the power over death. Jesus knew that he would resurrect Lazarus for this amazing moment, and yet we find Jesus weeping in this moment. Why was that? Here's a big thought for us today. Jesus wept not for his loss, but he was weeping for the loss of those that he loved the most. He's weeping because his compassion, empathetic spirit saw the sisters who had lost their brother and the pain that was coming, and he empathizes and weeps. I, I think he weeped a little bit for Lazarus. Think about Lazarus. He's in the presence of God in heaven, and a dude's got to come back to this broken earth and die again. I mean, that's not a good day. I'm like, I don't know, you know, do some fish and bread, Jesus. I don't need to come back. I've been with Jesus. I've been in, you know, in the presence of God himself, and I, I think there was potentially a little sorrowful there. But whatever was the trigger for this moment of this 
time where Jesus weeps, I want to remind you, he wept not for his loss. He wept for our loss and for the loss of those that he loved. Parents, you, you may understand this. I was trying to relate it to where you're. You ever had a child who their heart was broken in adolescent love? You remember those middle school love. Woo! So wonderful, so tragic, so deep. I mean, it's amazing. And, and the first time they had their heart broke in middle school, you know, the, remember these? Like the world has come to an end. They will not eat. They're in their room. You just hear Taylor Swift on repeat over and over. The only thing that overcomes it is the sobbing. And you know as a parent, statistically, there are more fish in the sea. Statistically, they are not going to find their soulmate in eighth grade, right? You want to say to them, you think your heart's broken now. Wait till senior prom. You know, when you have all these kind of things, and you know that it's just, it's going to be okay, but your heart breaks for them. And you want to say to them, there will be a day that I'll walk you down the aisle and we won't think anything about this eighth grade heartbreak. But you cry when they cry, right? You go get an ice cream. You go out and have a soda and you have these things. Why? Because you're empathetic in that moment. You have a bigger picture, but you're present. I mean, that's the picture of what I think for Jesus. He knew the outcome. But in that moment, he knew what they needed. So our Heavenly Father, can I just encourage you today as we jump in, your Heavenly Father just doesn't hear your prayers, but he feels your pain. What makes all the difference? Because he's walked, why? In your shoes. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, for he was despised, and we esteem him not. The Bible says, let me just remind you about who Jesus is if you feel like he doesn't understand difficult situations. He was rejected, despised, felt sorrow and grief. And so when Jesus looks at us, this is what I love, he doesn't simply have pity for us. Jesus doesn't just endure you. He empathizes with you. It's a gift. It's an incredible thing that like, God gets you. He really gets you, and he likes you in spite of those things. He gets you more than the closest people in your life because he knows not only what we say and what we do, but he knows what our thinking is, and he knows what our heart is, and he loves us. So we have experienced that. Why can't we translate what we have experienced to other people? Why is empathy so hard to do? Why is it absent in our culture today? We have experienced empathy from the creator of the universe, says, I get you, I love you, I feel for you. And yet we walk along humans every single day, seldom sharing humanity with one another. We've never been more globally connected with everybody in the world in human history than we are today, and yet we've never struggled to be more humane with one another than we do today. We've lost the art, I think, of empathy. I was trying to think about empathy. Why is this hard? What's the opposite uh, of empathy? Well, the opposite uh, of empathy is really a, a word that really has become common language in our culture today. It's kind of almost a pop word that is now. It, it's narcissism. It really is the opposite of empathy. Think about this. Narcissism, rather than focusing on others, we have an excessive focus on self. 
Again, it's a pop phrase that we've become very familiar. It's crazy. We have more understanding of the concept and the reality of narcissism today in psychological terms than our most trained psychologists had 100 years ago. Why? Because it's commonplace. We see it and we experience it. We see it every day in our celebrities, in our politicians, in our sports heroes. And unfortunately, we see it every day in our churches and from our pulpits. Can I remind you, if we're not careful, we see it every day in the mirror. Excessive love and value of self. Narcissism, let me just give you a definition so we're working from the same point. Narcissism, personality qualities include, right, thinking very highly of oneself, needing admiration, believing others are inferior, and here's an interesting, and lacking empathy for others. So it's the contrast. So a heart of empathy is a heart of narcissism, I guess. Where do we get this idea of narcissism? It's a great little... If you haven't heard it before, it's a great little Greek story, and it's told of the greatest, most beautiful warrior who ever lived, Narcissus, right? And Narcissus, he loved beauty and valued beauty because he was the most beautiful man who ever lived. And so he would travel the country looking for somebody who was worthy of his beauty, and unfortunately, he traveled alone because nobody could equal the beauty of Narcissus. Until one day, as he's walking, he walks by a pond, and as he looks, he sees the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen in his life. And in order to acquire the greatest beauty he has ever seen, he dives into the pond and he drowns. What did he see? He saw his own reflection that's there. Now you may not be familiar with the story of Narcissus, but I'm telling you, you are familiar with what it means to die in your image of reflection of yourself. Because we've all experienced that at different ways. We're drowning in it. We have a culture that's drowning in self-love. And I know we're drowning in self-love because we struggle to do the thing that's opposite of it, right? We struggle to show empathy. And so there's something else that's filling our heart, and that self-love is what it is. It's now normalized, right? Think about the messages we say to ourselves. Not only should you love yourself, but you need to love yourself the most. Put yourself at the highest place. Not only do we think we are the best, we know we're the best in all the things that we have, right? My opinion, think about where this logic goes. My opinion is not only right, but my opinion is truth. And if you disagree with me, you're not only wrong, but because I am intrinsically good, if you disagree with me, you are intrinsically bad. And uh, so my opinion is good and your opinion is evil. And so we cancel you we ignore you and we create these kind of things and we can't figure out why we live in a culture of tribalism, right? Because somehow we have confused these things. In 2022, we have confused feelings and facts. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's facts, right? If you've ever had a, a conversation with somebody who struggles a little bit in this area, that's what you're experiencing um, because they, they, they are convinced that whatever they're feeling is truly the facts, and so it goes there, it's their reality, and there is only one reality, it's the reality that they are feeling, because their reality is facts again. So they love to hear truth as long as they are the only one promoting and speaking the truth. You ever been in those kind of conversations in the challenge that's there? Because the world, right, this is where our thinking gets, because the world needs my opinion, and the world needs my truth because it's the only truth there. And if you ever have a counter conversation, right, and you've had these, you pick your topic, whatever, they become defensive, they become angry, because how dare you question my reality because my reality is the only reality. And we drown in the reflection 
of self. Now listen, before we think and try to think of people and all, can I, we all, we all are somewhere on that spectrum. We all f- struggle with the same thing. Why? Because at the heart of this is pride, right? It's the thing that wars against our very humanity. It's the thing that has warred against the heart of man since the very foundation of the earth, from Satan himself to Adam and Eve. It's this pride, this sinfulness that comes from there. It's the thing that steals the glory from God and exalts oneself. And I don't know about you, this is, man, this, this is where I struggle every single day. It's just trying to die to self to be alive to Christ. It's trying to grow this area of empathy when my natural nature and my sin nature wants to grow the, the emphasis of self. It's the daily battle that we do. It's removing the shoes of self and replacing them with the shoes of empathy. And my guess is that's probably your struggle, too, on a daily basis. So how do we do it? Let me give you just, because it's so important. Let me give you just three really practical ways, and we'll head back to John 11, but three practical ways that we can just grow in this area, right? I, three things, I just wrote down. One is just active listening. This is listening to understand, not simply just listening for that person to take a breath so you can quickly interject your perspective, your reality, and your truth. You ever been those like, you, you know, you just, and sometimes I have folks, and you, you want to fake breathe because you know they're going to jump in. You just, nope, still going. I'm good. And, uh, but, you know, you're not even listening in the moment. You just, you have already established your argument, your, re, your rebuttal, and you're just waiting for them to breathe because there it goes. Questions that will help you. If you find yourself in that tendency, some easy questions with active living. Questions like this. How do you feel about that? All right? How are you processing things? Where do you see God at work in this? They're sharing, how, how do you feel? How do you think about those things? And, and here's the intuitive part. We see Jesus does this so miraculously. When you're listening, listen for hurt and listen for the motivation that's created the action. So many times we are just trying to solve the action that we're missing the motivation what's creating the action. That's what empathetic people do. How do you feel about See, if we change the thinking, we'll change the action, right? And it's that perspective. So actively listen. Enter into, here's a concern. Enter the conversation as a learner wanting to understand. Be curious. Be willing to be surprised. Too many times we enter conversations as problem solvers or ideology defenders. Let's just enter in as curious people who want to learn, who position ourselves that way. Think back to your last conversation, just quickly. Last big conversation. Did you talk more or listen more? Did you bother to ask any questions? Uh, I get a chance to be at time with a lot of people. And I watch a lot of conversations. And it's simply this. People talking to each other or people talking over each other. They're never interacting. They're just waiting and talking over each one, getting louder and louder. Rather than talking with each other, we're just talking over each other. And Jesus models this so well. You think about even studies we've had in the last few, all throughout the New Testament. Jesus meets with people, and what does he do? He asks the power of questions. What do you think? Where are you there? The one who has all the answers, this is what somebody, the one who has all the answers was willing to listen. Why? Because I'm not dealing with the action. I'm dealing with the heart issue that's producing the action. And there's where life change happens. Right, your mother always said that you have two ears, right, and one mouth. So I encourage you, for those of you that have a tendency to get those confused. Number two. Uh, validate emotions. No elbowing anybody next to you, all right? Validating emotions. Now, I'm encouraging you. Validating emotions doesn't mean you're validating their actions. 
It's simply acknowledging that their feelings are real. I can disagree with your actions and your response and still validate that your, your feelings are real. I see those are significant to you. Statements like, I'm sorry, right? I can't imagine how difficult this is. What a difference. I, I can hear in your voice some real frustration. I can hear a little fear. Tell me about that. How does that make you feel? I can understand you. This is a great one. I can, I understand, I can understand how you feel that way. You're not crazy. You ever felt like you're crazy? I just need somebody. You're not crazy. I may not agree with it, but I can understand how you feel that way along those lines. So it's just those kind of things. And these kind of statements, here's what I love. They give people permission to be honest with their thoughts, even with themselves, and to be honest with you. If you're great, I look around this room. Some of you are fantastic at this. But do you ever wonder why everybody comes to you? Because you're, you're great at this. Somehow in a conversation, you validated those feelings in me. And if I feel free and safe to share my feelings, then I feel free to share the things that might be vulnerable to me. And I can trust you with that. Maybe you find in your life like nobody comes. Let me just ask you how you do in the area of validating, right? We all want to feel safe along this. Let me get a third one. This is a big one. It's just pray. Pray. The beauty of prayer is it not only unites our heart with that person, but ultimately it unites our heart to the heart of God. Prayer, it, it allows the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to soften our hearts. Because some of these conversations and names and thoughts that have already come to your mind, these are hard conversations. These are hard people to have empathy towards. And prayer allows the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. Because for some of you, this idea of empathy, it comes really easy. And for some of you, this is hard. And God needs to do a greater work. Prayer does this other wonderful thing, is it gives us insight into these things. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us discernment and wisdom along these areas. Have you ever been with a person who seems to always have the right words with the right tone at the right time? I'm telling you, that's somebody who's been with God and the Holy Spirit is in their heart working in such a powerful thing. And may that be said of us, but we're not gonna get there in our own strength and our own wisdom and our own giftingness. So work of the Spirit in our heart to at those moments have the tone so prayer, what I love, it puts action to our compassion. I don't just feel something for you. That's sympathy. I'm willing to do something about it. That's compassion that comes out of the heart of empathy. John chapter 11, shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. And that simple two words communicates to us the answer to a broken world 2022. In a culture that promotes narcissistic tribalism, a culture where it says to you, listen, you're the hammer and every problem's a nail, right? Fix it, whack. Control it, whack, right? All you got to do is share your truth, your reality, whack. It'll all be good at that point. I love this. The Bible turns it all around and says, listen, you're, you're neither the hammer nor the person to nail, so just take off the shoes of yourself because 2,000 years ago, Jesus modeled for us something remarkably different, something better. 2,000 years ago, as he hung on a tree, wrongfully accused, beaten, spit upon, mocked by the very creatures that he created. Think about that. And Jesus hangs in this moment in unimaginable pain, in unimaginable agony on the cross, and where were his thoughts 
Is he thinking about revenge? This is the thinking of our world and our time. Is he thinking about how unjustly he has been treated and how he's been so misspoken about? Is his focus in that moment on the injustices of life in his reality? If you know the story, that's not the case. In that moment, in Jesus' greatest moment of pain and agony, he was thinking of you. He was thinking of me. In that moment, he looks down on the men who had been the instrument of his pain and hatred. And in that moment, he sees beneath the anger and the dysfunction, he sees their shoes. And we have these 10 powerful words in Luke 23, and it says simply this. And Jesus said, while hanging on the cross at that moment, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's empathy. In his greatest moment of pain and injustice, Jesus looks down and sees the shoes of mankind. Sees my pain, sees your pain. He saw the hurt and the brokenness that lied beneath. We see that all throughout Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Remember Jesus said this, when he saw the crowds, right, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A little later on Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I see you're wore out. I see you're stressed out, man. I see you're discouraged. I see the anxiety of the day and your fear for your children and your grandchildren and the hurt that's there. And I see the messed up parts of our culture and the pain that's, and he just says, man, come to me. I see all that. I know all that. And I will give you rest. Empathy. It's what moved Jesus to come and to save us. That he looked down and saw our greatest need and he responded to us in love. So here's the great part for you and I. We now have a chance to respond to the love that's been extended to us. To see people as Jesus sees people. To see the shoes. To know where they've been. To know where they're going and how they got there and all the messiness that comes with that process of the journey. To extend grace, right? And kindness. Not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, not because they'll even respond the right way to it, we just extend it because we have been benefactors of empathy. That the creator of the universe looked down at our sinfulness and said, I'll leave it all to come to this earth. That the son of God, while being fully God and yet fully man, experienced the agony on the cross and looked at us and said, I love you enough to stay here and to pay the price for your hurt and for your pain. We're benefits and benefactors of that. So my challenge for us today as we close is, is simply this, is to, in 2022, to take off the shoes of self and to put on the shoes of Jesus. Who in your life do you need to see differently? Who have you spent more time trying to fix rather than simply trying to understand?
Who in your life do you need to see beyond the actions to the heart and the hurt? And in all of these things, where do we need to become less enamored with the reflection of self? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we, we thank you for the profoundly simple two words. I said, Jesus wept. That reminds us of our need gift that you've given us of compassion and empathy and Lord as followers of you this is the thing that we can give to the world so Lord our own hearts and our own minds may you just grow us in that may you bring to our hearts and minds people who need to experience your love in a new and a fresh way in Jesus name amen as we stand this morning, why don't you stand? We're going to close out in a song. And I, I want to remind you just of the second part, the next very verse that Jesus shares. Jesus wept, and we have this wonderful part. So the Jews said to him, see how he loved him. Here's what I remind you. For a skeptical, cynical world and culture that we live in every day, the people at your work, the people at your classroom, can I remind you the thing that will break through all of that cynicism is empathy. The Jews looked at Jesus and said, this is something different because he loved in a way that I don't understand. He weeps tears for these people because he cares deeply for them. And I wanna remind you, that's what God has called us. It's one of the greatest evangelistic gifts that we can give to our culture, is to care, to listen, to express empathy because it tears down walls. It helps people to be real. And when they say, hey, how come you're so kind to me? How come you take time to listen? Let me tell you why. Because I'm a benefactor of the greatest man of empathy who ever walked this earth. A man named Jesus who died for me and he died for you. What a difference it will make if we'll have that softness. So let's just sing together a little bit about that. As people, we stand together with the greatest answer for the hurt of our world in 2022. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.